This is the voice of contract management presented by the law firm of Kroll & Mooring exclusively for NCMA. Stay up to date on all things contract management five minutes at a time. Our team at Kroll & Mooring presents these podcasts to keep you up to speed on a bi-monthly basis. We will cover everything from regulatory updates to crucial changes that affect government contracting. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Yuan Zhou. And we're going to start with an update from DOJ about voluntary self-disclosure, and Yuan is going to talk about that. Thanks, Peter. On February 22nd, the U.S. attorneys for the Southern and Eastern Districts of New York announced a new nationwide voluntary self-disclosure policy that applies to all U.S. attorneys' offices and is effective immediately. In order to receive benefits under the policy, a company must voluntarily self-disclose misconduct, fully cooperate with the government's investigation, and timely remediate any criminal conduct, such as by paying all disgorgement, forfeiture, and restitution. Now, for self-disclosure to be considered voluntary under the policy, a company cannot have a pre-existing obligation to disclose misconduct, the disclosure must be timely, and the company must disclose all relevant facts concerning the misconduct that are known to the company at the time. And the benefits received depend on the existence of aggravating factors, such as whether misconduct poses a grave threat to national security, public health, or the environment, is deeply pervasive throughout the company, or involves current executive management of the company. Now, in the absence of any aggravating factors, the policy dictates that the U.S. Attorney's offices will not seek a guilty plea and will not impose a criminal penalty that is greater than 50% below the low end of the U.S. Sentencing Guidelines fine range, and in fact, could choose not to impose a criminal penalty at all. Now, if the presence of one or more aggravating factors warrants a guilty plea from a company that has otherwise complied with the requirements of the voluntary disclosure policy, the U.S. Attorney's Office will recommend a sentence that includes a 50 to 75 reduction off the low end of the U.S. Sentencing Guidelines fine range. Now, under either scenario, the policy seeks to reward companies with a robust compliance program, and it notes that if a company demonstrates that it has implemented and tested an effective compliance program, the U.S. Attorney's Office will not require a compliance monitor. So this policy represents the first time all U.S. Attorney's Offices now have a uniform voluntary self-disclosure rule and certainly something for companies to be mindful of. Peter, back to you. Great. Next up is uh, another announcement, this time from DOJ and Department of Commerce. On February 16th, DOJ and Department of Commerce launched the Disruptive Technology Strike Force under the leadership of DOJ's National Security Division and Commerce's Bureau of Industry and Security. The Strike Force will bring together experts from the FBI, Homeland Security, and 14 U.S. Attorney's Offices in 12 regions across the country to target illicit actors, strengthen supply chains, and protect critical technological assets from being acquired or used by nation state adversaries. In its press release, DOJ underscored that this technology, when acquired by nation state adversaries, can be used in new or novel ways to enhance military capabilities or support mass surveillance programs that enable human rights abuses, threaten national security by improving calculations in weapons design and testing, improving the speed and accuracy of military intelligence decision-making, and breaking or developing unbreakable encryption algorithms that protect sensitive communications and classified information. 
So this is an area we've been talking about for a while uh, as an important area of focus for contractors. And obviously, this is just another signal that this is something that DOJ, Commerce, and other government stakeholders are really focused on and taking seriously. Uh, one more item, Yuan, back to you. On January 23rd, GAO sustained the protest of an award to an 8A joint venture based on, among other reasons, a finding that the agency's evaluation of the JV's experience was inconsistent with SBA regulations. The protest here involved the GSA solicitation for IT services, which required offerors to submit a description of their similar experience on other contracts. In response, an 8A JV submitted two experience examples. One had been performed by both the 8A managing venture and the minority venturer, but as a different 8A certified JV. And the other had been performed by only the non-8A small business minority venturer. A disappointed offeror protested, arguing that GSA unreasonably failed to evaluate the risk associated with the fact that the experience examples submitted were not performed by the JV proposed as the prime contractor, nor performed individually by the managing member of the JV. Now, GAO agreed with the protestor, noting that for the awarded contract, the managing venturer would have had to manage and perform at least 40% of the work. In addition, although the solicitation didn't require each member of the JV to submit individual experience examples, GAO opined that the SBA regulations required GSA to consider the experience of each individual member of the JV. To support this conclusion, GAO cited 13 CFR 125.8e, which provides that when evaluating the experience of a small business JV, an agency must consider work done and qualifications held individually by each partner to the JV, as well as any work done by the JV itself previously. However, GAO did not address the latter portion of 125.8e, which says that partners to the JV in the aggregate must demonstrate the experience necessary to perform the contract. Nor did GAO address the Small Business Act, which provides that if the JV does not demonstrate sufficient capabilities or past performance to be considered for award of a contract opportunity, the agency head shall consider the capabilities and past performance of each member of the JV as the capabilities and past performance of the JV as a whole. So an interesting GAO opinion that adopts a novel interpretation of the SBA regulations. Peter, back to you. Perfect. Thank you so much, Yuan. Thanks for listening to the Voice of Contract Management, brought to you by Kroll & Mooring exclusively for NCMA. Stay tuned for our next episode as we continue to discuss all things government contracting. In the meantime, explore your learning opportunities at www.ncmahq.org slash course catalog.